This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Fox News Root Baraj. On the Thursday, June 22nd edition of Let It Rip, we tackled a real problem across our area as the summer heats up. We're already seeing a surge in crime. In fact, just a few weeks ago in Detroit, 24 shootings in one weekend. So what can be done to stop this? Three police chiefs, including the police chief of Detroit, sit down for a Let It Rip special. And with that, let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip. The sun goes down. The guns come out. Police across Metro Detroit dealing with a rise in violence. And it's more than just shootings impacting people from all walks of life. So what can be done to stop the violence and keep everybody safe? Three police chiefs from three Metro Detroit communities have some bold ideas and we're tackling them now. And so it is time to let it rip with an all-star panel tonight. With us, Fox News' Jessica Dupnack, who's on the streets every day covering crime, as well as the police chiefs of Detroit, Dearborn, and Southfield, James White, Issa Shaheen, and Alvin Barron. And as always, Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton, who's also obviously on the streets each and every day, really taking the pulse of what people are thinking, feeling, and what people are doing about a problem that just isn't going away. In fact, it is safe to say, without uh, even checking the latest stats, it seems to be getting worse quickly. I want to begin with Chief James White uh, with the largest city here, Detroit. The last few weeks have been so alarming to us mm -hmm. as we sit at that anchor desk there because we keep hearing that it's another teenager that was involved, that was a victim, that was killed, that was shot, that was hurt. And then again today we heard the same thing, a 14-year-old yeah. shot and killed. Are, are these victims and some of the perpetrators getting younger in your book? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, we've got this year alone 49 people uh, under the age of 17 uh, that's been a victim of homicide uh, involving a weapon. So we're seeing younger people. Uh, we're seeing a lot of irresponsible gun owners. Uh, and we've got to do things a lot different. We've got to get to those families and get uh, those gun safety ideas out to them before these horrible uh, circumstances occur. You know, this is so important, this conversation. And by the way, we're going to spend the entire half hour on this because we believe there are things to unpack here that can help the community figure out what everybody can do collectively to make this better. Uh, Chief Shaheen, you keep hearing people say, we just have to come together. I think people are sick and tired of hearing about just coming together because clearly everyone is together. We all understand the problem, but it doesn't seem to be getting better. What is the solution, at least in part? So that's such a complicated question, Roop. You know, I, I agree with Chief White, and I can say that the, the offenders seem to be getting younger, the victims seem to be getting younger. It's not uncommon to see a, a, a child, 14 years old, fleeing in a stolen car nowadays. And I can tell you, when I started 25 years ago, that was unheard of. Uh, but what needs to be done, I think, you know, collectively, I can tell you that some of the things I think that are promising, the cooperation between the agencies, right? I, the co level of cooperation I see between our department and departments across Southeast Michigan, I think, is promising. And I think there needs to be a level of ownership a lot 
lot. I mean, crime is pretty individual to set different communities. I'll tell you, in Dearborn, you know, there needs to be a level of kind of ownership, right? About, you know, traffic safety is a big deal in our town. And I think, you know, educating young drivers about the hazards of reckless driving and those things kind of have to start at home as well. So it's a complicated answer, though. Well, it is a complicated answer, complicated question, but there are so many pieces to this. We talk about auto thefts. I know Dearborn has a huge piece in this. We'll want to talk about that in just a moment, but I want Chief Barron to chime in about this. Uh, Mia Kanu, 23 years old, uh, just a few weeks back, pushed out of a moving car uh, on Providence, down the road from Fox 2 here, Southfield. You didn't hear about those things happening here and that type of thing happening. What is that, and does that shock you at any point? Well, that was a very unfortunate case. That's still under investigation, and I will be holding a press conference to announce the findings of that investigation. And so I can't necessarily talk about that, uh, but to circle back on the, the crime throughout the country, the issue really surrounds too many guns in our country. When you look at the worldwide data, there's 857 million guns owned by people around the world, of which 393 million are of Americans. That equates to about 46 percent. And then there's one common denominator rule when it comes to illegal gun ownership and uh, false gun ownership is that individuals use emotion-based decisions to commit these crimes, whether it's a domestic violence assault using a weapon, whether it's with our freeways upticking across the country with these road rage shootings, or whether acquaintances not getting along and then introducing a weapon to that situation. So emotional-based decisions, and to solve that, at least solve it in part, it has to be a certainty of punishment for these individuals to know that if you commit a crime, you will be held accountable. Do you think the criminals and the bad guys care about being held accountable? Do you think they're in a place, Chief Barron, where they feel so desperate about their own life, so just despondent that they don't even care about the consequences? Well, you have it on both ways. You're individuals who, because of emotion, will commit a crime and they're not concerned about the outcome because, again, they're so emotionally driven. Then you have those criminals who uh, think that they're slick, think they can get away with it, and those are the ones that we have to focus on when we talk about accountability. I know you're going to hold a news conference on Mia Kanu, that 23-year-old who was, uh, fell out of or threw was thrown out of a car. Is there something, at least, can you give us a hint, is, is there someone who's being held responsible or is it something else that you're finding? So the early reports we did share with the community that the driver of that vehicle uh, just left without stopping to even tend to possible wounds that Mia had uh, sustained. And so that is an issue that we're going to talk about at the press conference. But again, I want to make sure I update the family with the findings sure. first uh, before I really announce exactly what's going to happen with that Three case. Three respectable guys here who follow the rules and are, want everybody else at home to do the same. Jessica Dupnack, you're covering this stuff every single day. Let's talk for a moment about the story that broke just this week, a 14-year-old shooting a video. The gun wasn't purchased, wasn't e illegally necessarily. It wasn't as though this is a, a person who found the gun in an unlocked car and took it. We learned today, you know, about car hopping. You know, these kids load up in a car, they go out oftentimes to the suburbs looking for an unlocked car, grab whatever they can. Unfortunately, in this situation, two days prior to this happening, the gun was stolen. And it got me thinking today as we were covering this story, you know, we're so quick to make this a Detroit problem, right? We're so quick to say it only happens in the city limits. 
well, where'd the gun come from? Mm -hmm. It came from what I would consider an irresponsible gun owner who left an unsecured weapon in a vehicle for anybody to grab. So I think that, that we talk about responsible gun ownership, it, it, it has to take effect. You have to rethink where you store your weapons, how you store your weapons. Not a Second Amendment conversation. It's about protecting kids with nothing better to do than to steal guns. And we've seen time and time again that these guns are left insecure, unsecure, whether it be in a home or in this case a car. Uh, all right, Charlie, so gun control. Uh, there's people saying, look, we need more from Lansing. We need more from Washington to figure out how to get the bad guys away from these guns. You hear Jessica talking. That's not necessarily the problem. What is the biggest problem? Well, I was at the scene, too, uh, earlier this morning. And uh, a 14-year-old with a gun at 1.15 in the morning, that's just a bad combination right there. I think we need to instill a respect for the law, respect for guns. I'm not saying take away your guns. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. I think we should train people. And if you're going to have a gun, tell me, here is the gun. Lock it, load it, shoot it. Do you respect it? What's the law with the gun? Can you take it? Give them a quiz. Instill the responsibility. That's just the beginning part of it. But you still have to instill that life is important. Every life is important. And when you have a gun, that's generally not a good thing. Now, how do you do it? I don't know. Schools, parents, home. It's a, it's a big, as the Dearborn chief said, it's a very big problem. But it's you've got to have respect first. And I think you have to have respect for our community. You have to have respect for Detroit as well. I think it's very disrespectful and, quite frankly, un-American for people to sit there and say, oh, the crime happens over there, no. pointing their fingers no. away from no. their area. This is our community. Detroit is my community, even Absolutely. though I live in Rochester. Absolutely. We all need to realize that. Is that part of the, the solution? Is everyone starting to care a little bit more? You, you know, everyone has to care. And I was reading the other day about the, the Mackinac Policy Conference. The theme was the power of Anne. And it's 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 everyone, but it's Anne, the community. It's, it's the clergy. It's, you know, it's good policy. It's prosecution, uh, certainty of prosecution, and responsible gun ownership. I mean, you, you uh, my, my partner here, uh, Chief Barron, was talking about the number of guns. Well, from 2020 uh, to 2022, 57 million guns were sold in the United States. That means 57 million people now have the responsibility of, of protecting folks from getting a hold of the gun and making an impulse uh, decision. And it's not happening. We see people every day. No one can have an argument anymore. Everybody's got to bring a gun. A gun makes them tougher. A gun makes them stronger. And they're bringing guns to parties. So we've got young kids who are finding guns. 49 times this year, we've got someone under the age of 17 that's been shot with a gun that they didn't purchase. So this isn't about Second Amendment and prying the gun out of your hands. This is about personal responsibility. And when you when you take on the responsibility of a gun owner, you take on the responsibility of protecting young people from getting your weapon. We keep hearing people talk about the mental health crisis that is very prevalent all across the country. COVID, of course, made everything worse. Uh, you're a mental health professional yes. and the police chief of our city. We've had you on before. What can we all do together to identify people who need this kind of help and get it for them? Well, I think that's a fantastic question, and, and I talk a lot about this, but, but here's the reality. When you call 911 on a loved one who you know uh, that needs assistance and you want the police to come and respond, we're going to do that, but understand that if the behavior is so unpredictable that you have called the police and we don't know them, when we get there, we need your help. We need to understand what they're dealing with, what crisis they're in, uh, and we, we're going to need more services for police. Police officers are not medical professionals. You, uniquely, I'm a person who knows about uh, mental health. I'm licensed in it. Most police officers aren't. Now, we do have a mental health crisis vehicle, or CIT, uh, that we work uh, through.
through D1. Our officers are trained. I've got now 20 officers who are dedicated to, to uh, servicing uh, the complaints that come in. But, but that's already, a big burden to put on their shoulders, isn't it? It, it is. And, and when you look at the fact that since we've started the unit in January, we've serviced 7,500 runs. <laughs> wow. And, and with, with 20 officers. So, you know, I had the privilege of, of attending a, a House committee meeting uh, this week, and they were talking about uh, some, some revenue sharing or some dollars for, for Detroit and other major cities or other uh, large cities in the state and us being the largest city. Uh, I got super excited about that because I thought about what could that look like for us? What could that additional dollars look like? Well, it looked like 200 more police officers and I can put 50 more in neighborhoods, neighborhood police officers that can knock on doors and, and assist people and they're not jumping from run to run. I can take another 50 police officers and mental health professionals and put those professional mental health service providers on those scout cards so the officers have someone who is trained in mental health to do that work and they can be the police. And you're saying dollars can make that happen? Dollars can absolutely make that happen. How close are we to getting those dollars that you need? Well, I heard some promising things. Uh, I didn't get a chance to testify. I hope they invite me back because I want to talk about the work that our officers are doing. They're doing phenomenal work and I think we all agree, but we're not mental health professionals. And, and I don't want anyone to confuse that. We respond, we're going to do great work as we always do, but we need professionals on those cards with those officers, you look at 7,500 police runs just solely on mental health, nothing else. Think about the impact of adding additional professional mental health service providers to those cars and what that would look like. How much closer are we to those dollars? And what about the auto thefts that we're seeing? How do we stop those? We're going to be talking to Chief Shaheen about that, also to Chief Barron about how we can kind of stop this crime from creeping into your neighborhood. Everyone has a part in this. We're going to take a look at that when we come back. On the other side of the break, you're watching a special edition of Let It Rip. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, back now with a special edition of Let It Rip, talking about crime, and we're talking about combating that problem that continues to be a, an issue all over our area, including in the city of Detroit and the metro area. We're joined by Fox News' Jessica Dupnack, who covers the streets each and every day, as well as the police chiefs of Detroit, Dearborn, and Southfield, James White, Issa Shaheen, and Alvin Barron, and, of course, our friend Charlie Langton, our legal attorney, which I have some questions about some legalities, uh, about some of the options that some people think we have at our disposal. I want to talk to you about that in a moment, but let's begin with Chief Shaheen. All right, so in Dearborn, big news, uh, Auto Theft Task Force. Look, these are four words that basically mean we got to crack down on people stealing cars. And, and, and why is that, you think, such an important piece to the spy? Well, you know, first, Rup, I can tell you that auto theft is a national issue, and it's, been, it's increased across the country. And Dearborn and our neighboring communities are not immune to that. And the reality is when somebody steals a car, it's more than just a property crime. I mean, you take away someone's livelihood. I mean, people use their cars to get to work and to take people to the hospital or to doctor's appointments. And it can really be a traumatic event for not just a family, but a community. And you know, as a result of the increase, the reality is there's not a lot of tools in our tool bag, right? We can leverage technology, but I recognize by working with our partners that we can be a lot more powerful together. And so you know, chasing these, car chasing these stolen cars and marked scout cars is the last thing that you want to do, right? Because you're putting the general public and your police officers at risk as well. Last year in Dearborn alone, we had 183 pursuits. I mean, that's, that's at least one every other day. I was on the road for about 50 
15 or 16 years until I got promoted into administrative position. I could probably count the pursuits I had in those 17 years on two hands. And so, you know, it's a challenging environment right now. So by working with our partners, like we created a task force, and I have to give a lot of credit to Chief White. When I reached out to the Detroit Police Department, there was no hesitation in joining the task force. State police, uh, Wayne County prosecutor, get Prosecutor Kim Worthy assigned a yeah. special prosecutor. And when we talk about prosecution and holding people accountable, I was grateful for that. Uh, let's, let's see, the Detroit Police Department, Michigan State Police, Livonia PD, uh, Garden City, and the Dearborn Heights Police Department. So, so Chief, for the people watching at home, we're saying, you know, there, there are people who, as you can imagine, are skeptical of anything that comes their way because they're frustrated. Yeah. Um, so when they hear about a task force coming together and all these people joining hands, what does this do to prevent worse crimes from happening by cracking down on this? Also, good question, Rupa. I mean, first of all, when you steal a car, very often they're used to commit other violent felonies, other carjackings, or robberies, and so I'm hopeful that by stopping them before they get, get stolen, or once they do, that'll prevent other crimes as well. But ultimately, it's about partnerships and information sharing, so that we're not working in silos, but rather working together. I'm hopeful within our first week of launching the task force, we had an excellent uh, search warrant and arrest that came in conjunction with, with a number of stolen cars we recovered, tens of thousands of dollars in tools. And so we're going to just work hard to every day collectively to keep our community safe. I want to make it very clear when I ask this next question. I'm not advocating for this at all. I'm asking the question. And the question that I need to ask Chief Bear and Chief White, you have other tactics that people have used, officers have used in the past, stop and frisk. There are other issues and other tactics that have been used in the past that have been done away with. Civil liberties issues, lots of other issues. Do you think, Chief Barron, that it's time to start looking into some more strict matters and matters of which you, you crack down on crime? Well, we got to be very careful not to venture down a world of unconstitutional policing. Mm -hmm. And those type of practices, when you see the data, when you see what's happening nationally, it is a gateway towards unconstitutional policing. So rather than doing that, certainly using our policies, our procedures, holding uh, the community members, the police department accountable uh, for management of crime, uh, but it's not an easy uh, thing to do. And so we will not get involved in any type of stop and frisk because, again, the data has shown it is unconstitutional and leads to uh, significant issues with community trust involving police departments. And profiling. That is, that, that, that people need to trust their police department and the good people of Detroit, Southfield, Dearborn, wherever they are, we need to trust that our officers care about our community and our children and our people. Chief White, you have a pretty stern answer about this one. Absolutely not. We will not engage in unconstitutional policing. We will not engage in stop and frisk. I spent 11 years managing the consent judgment for the Detroit Police Department. In my 28 years, almost half my career, I'm working on a consent judgment. Uh, and, and I spent the one year I retired uh, as the director of the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. Uh, there is no room for stop and frisk in the Detroit Police Department. And frankly, I don't think there's any room for stop and frisk in this country. It's unconstitutional. If nothing else, at our very core as law enforcement officers, we are protectors of the Constitution. There's absolutely no way we will engage in that behavior in this police department. And it really goes against the the culture of policing that you have instilled and your predecessor instilled in the city of Detroit when Absolutely. it comes to community policing. It's about Absolutely. knowing your officers, trusting them, them liking you, you liking them. Mutual respect, right? Mutual respect. We understand the root causes of crime. We say it often. We're not going to arrest our way out of crime. Yeah. Uh, but we will certainly hold accountable those people who victimize those who live, work, visit, and play in our city. We're not going to let people be victimized. We want our families to be able to enjoy our community. But we're not going to engage in tactics that, that are unconstitutional to, to, to stop crime from happening. They don't work. And, and frankly, there's 700,000 people in this town that, that, that are counted in census, right? I, I would argue that there's another 300,000 that didn't, didn't care to fi uh, fill it out. And
and so I know that we've got roughly close to a million people. We don't hear from, from the overwhelming majority of those folks. A handful of people are, are breaking the law and committing crime and making life uncomfortable for some. So we're not going to target the whole in right. pursuit of the sum. We're going to have policies and processes that constitutionally address the sum, but not treat our community uh, like victims with stop and frisk. We're just not going to do it. And go ahead, Chief. I'd like to jump into because it's such an important topic. You know, Dearborn and Detroit, we share the largest land border together. It's almost 13 miles. And I think it's really important in the city of Dearborn, we will not accept any kind of stop and frisk behavior, any kind of police tactics along those lines as well. I mean, the reality is, is they disproportionately uh, target people of color. Mm -hmm. And no matter what your zip code is, no matter what your nationality or national origin, you need to feel welcomed in all communities. And so uh, there's no room for that within, within the Dearborn Police Department. And the well. most important point that was made over here is that the, the, the overwhelming vast majority of the people who live in all of our communities are law-abiding good people just trying to get through the day like everybody else is out of the camera. It's really important. Think about it, Ruth. You could stop 100 cars and maybe you get a gun out of a car, right? Sure. But in the process, you've alienated 99 other people. Exactly. And that doesn't make you any safer and it ruins relationships. And, and you distrust the police department. <laughs> all right, let's talk to Jessica Dupnack a little bit about consequence here. Um, if you do something and you know there's a consequence, maybe you'll stop. Not just the person who has the gun, but perhaps the person who provided the gun or bought the gun. Parents. Uh, there's talk about, hey, you know what? Stick them with a hefty fine or maybe even jail time, and maybe we're going to start seeing a change. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I have to hand it to uh, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy. She has been very, very headstrong with this movement of if your child gets a gun, we're going to go after charges, period, end. And you talk about do the criminals care, you know, mm -hmm. uh, about punishment. In this situation, when that starts to trickle down, you may think twice about ha how you're handling weapons. Maybe you stay home and oversee the kids and, and not let them party all night or something like that. I think that happens enough that starts to stack up and there is a real maybe fear there. Well, we also saw that uh, the, the young child who, uh, you know, grabbed a gun that was unsecured in the house in Detroit and uh, shot his cousin, mm -hmm. uh, those parents were held responsible and they and, and we showed it on the news and I yep. think that does have an impact. Absolutely. Charlie, how much, how much of an impact do you think that has when people see those images of mom and dad is sad and they're sitting there being arraigned for a crime? Yeah, if they leave their gun yeah. out in the open and their minor kid grabs a gun and commits a crime, parents arrest them. I mean, I'm not going to be a defense attorney here with this crowd here, but uh, <laughs> still, absolutely the parents. I mean, Karen McDonald was doing it in the, the famous the Oxford case. Uh, you know, makes those, that's manslaughter for parents for what they did or did not do for their child. But it's, it goes in many, many crimes. A 14-year-old today, hey, where he got the gun, there's another more to that story today as well. But sure, if the parents, listen, we just talked about earlier, how do we stop the culture of guns, respect for guns, it's got to start in the home. It's got to start with the parents. It's got to start with someone that a younger person respects. Could be a teacher, could be a cop, could be a parent, but it's got to start. And yes, hold count parents responsible. And uh, you ahead, know, yes. the other prong of that, we talk about bond issues. We've talked, I, I've talked with all of these gentlemen about bond issues. We've seen a little bit of tables turn in terms of that, of no bond or higher bond. And I know it's a touchy subject, but we talk about people getting out and reoffending. And I've seen, at least in the story, I've covered and I can speak to Wayne County that those bonds are a little bit higher so we'll see if that has a trickle-down effect also you know gas stations unfortunately have become for so many people who are being hurt and affected by them they feel like war zones we saw a gas station that was set on fire just last week we've seen so many relationships between uh, the merchants and the clients uh, strained uh, Chief White Chief Shaheen and Chief Barron I want to talk to all three of you about this what do we do about those relationships between 
those shop owners and the people coming in because something needs to be done. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think you know it starts with building a relationship with the community. Um, you're part of the community because you have a business, so you have to have a relationship with the community, and you have to share in the responsibility of providing safety for the customer. And you and you you have to have realistic expectations. If you're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to encounter conflict and problems. Now, you, how will you address them? Uh, sometimes you can call the police. Sometimes it's a stolen candy bar, and you just got to let that be a stolen candy bar, and then you know live the fight another day, figuratively and literally. I mean, it, it's some of the the conflicts that we see uh, are just moving too quickly for really basic and 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 really non-violent situations that turn violent for property crimes. And 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 I'm not saying all of them. I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I mean, certainly there are some incidents that that need the attention that they deserve that they deserve from the police. But you have to let the police engage in that. And so we're we're committed to working with our business owners. It's not all of them. Uh, I know that there are some some activists out that are looking to do some training, and and we'll support that training and make sure that they 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 know how we feel about it and where we stand with it. Um, but we want to partner with them with some security provisions so that they know uh, how to interact with the community a little bit better. In fact, it was a week ago that Teferi Brent, one of the activists who wants to do this training, was on Let It Rip along with Osama Sablani with the Arab American News. Uh, these are two prominent and important, uh, you know, uh, representatives in the community. And Chief Shaheen, you're right in the middle of it in Dearborn. How important is that relationship, do you think? I mean, it really boils down to relationships, Roop. And I think, you know, the opportunity to engage, the opportunity to get to know each other. Uh, I think the training that the Ferry Brent and his folks are doing are, is, a, is a great idea. Uh, but the reality is, you know, we talked about gun ownership. And with that gun ownership comes responsibility. And so, you know, you need to understand when you can use a firearm for self-protection and when you can't. And uh, the reality is that there's, it's been used inappropriately so many times and the outcomes have been so tragic. Chief Baird. This also centers around respect for the community, particularly with some of these gas station owners. There's a number of individuals who depend on those gas stations. And so why not extend respect both ways? I know, as Chief White mentioned, they're open 24 hours and there is a high possibility of conflict. But a little bit of patience, a little bit of you know, letting some things go that aren't as significant. But again, respect for the customer and in turn you will see respect for the uh, the whole community. And I gotta tell you, as someone who is a person of color, who's a brown guy myself, I, it bothers me when people say it's just these customers who come in and do this. Go down river, talk to the police chiefs over there, you'll find that there are problems with people coming to gas stations and stores anywhere where there are people. And that is the nature of humanity uh, here. We're gonna come back on the other side of the break with a look at final thoughts with all three of these gentlemen. How hopeful are our leaders, even with this hot summer ahead, Chief? Very hopeful. We've got good synergy. We've attended a number of great meetings. Uh, the Wayne County Exec's been there, the Wayne County uh, Sheriff, uh, the Wayne County Prosecutor, the Mayor, Deputy Mayor. We've got a great plan. Seeing synergy from the courts, I think we're, we're going to be just fine. Chief Shaheen. I'm hopeful as well, Roop. You know, with the professionals I have sitting up here uh, on the podium with me, the dedicated staff that they have working with them, a lot of dedicated professionals out there working really hard to keep their community safe. Chief Barron. We'll continue to collaborate with each other other law enforcement officials and the community to get this done. They didn't sign up for this for the paycheck. They signed up because they love what they do and they want to help the community. Three of our esteemed police chiefs here in Michigan, we thank you both for joining us, all three of you, and Jessica and Charlie as well. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.